You ever have that one friend in your social circle who like always has the cool music? It's always like the one that's like, oh, you should listen to this. Oh, you should listen to this. And you're like, yeah, 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 whatever. I'll get to, I'll get to it. And then you get to it, and you're like, why the hell did I wait so long to listen to this? Yeah. You have friends like that gotcha. in your circles? Like, I have a friend, Phil Modis. He's a guy, known him decades now, something like that. Yeah. But all through, like, our friendship or whatever, he's like, hey, you should listen to this song. Hey, you should listen to this song. Blah, blah, blah. And he's turned around a lot of good music. And as it turns out, he's got a podcast with his friend Molly, mm-hmm. and they're huge Ramones fans. Cool. Okay? And so they launched this podcast, and they called it Ramones of the Day. Get it? Huh? Ramones yeah. of the Day. Ramones of the Day. And they uh, are literally going through the Ramones' entire catalog, alphabetically, and each podcast is dedicated to one song, and they're reviewing every single song. Wow. And it's gotten so popular, he's... Like, he interviewed C.J. Ramone on one of these episodes already. Wow. Like, it's getting that popular. And it's it's a really, really good show. They're a sponsor of Wise Never the Podcast, which already earns them a shit ton of points in my view. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's just a good... It took some away for me. It, it did. But she, it'll get it back. This interview will get Typical. it back. But, I mean, everybody should listen to it. Even if you're not a Ramones fan, it's just fascinating hearing them break down every single song. Yeah. And it brings to mind uh, the podcast James Bonding podcast yeah. with Matt Gorley and Matt Myra, where they went every single James Bond film. Mm-hmm. And I haven't watched those films in decades, but it made me like, oh, yeah, I really want to really watch those again. And this Ramones of the Day podcast is having the same effect. Like, I will admittedly, I've not been a huge Ramones fan. But listening to these podcasts, I'm like, oh, my God, i got to want to hear that song Go now. Back and oh, listen to it. Yeah. So it's one of those. It just kind of gets into your system, and you're like, I kind of like that. It's like finding the Easter eggs in the movie and then wanting to go yes. back and watch the movie to see the Easter egg. And then hearing the DVD extra explaining all the stuff you about know, now it. that you yes. say that, whenever I look for Easter eggs in movies, I never find them. I'm like, Are you looking for actual there? Easter eggs, like a picture of an Easter you, egg? We mean no, like an ac- you know, like when you go Easter egg hunting, you find an yeah. Easter egg. Yeah, they no. never, I never see them in movies. No, it's more of a metaphor. Yeah, it's not like an what actual. Do you, mean? Egg. you know what? What do you mean? Watch the movie Hop. You'll and you'll then find I'll them. find yeah. Easter eggs. You'll find yeah. Easter eggs. And and when you're driving to family video to rent it. Listen to Ramones of the Day on the drive over. That I can do. I think you'll have a good time. That I can do. So, uh, yeah, Ramones of the Day podcast with Philip and Molly. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Weisenheimer, the podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jeff DeLeon. I'm Leslie Mitchell. And I'm bringing up the rear, Brent Tubbs. Mm, nobody does it better, my friend. <laughs> so this does. is, uh, and actually it's an impromptu interview episode. It's not, pri- not probably the episode you were expecting you were going to get this Tuesday. And that's because we're having a little change here at Weisenheimer, the podcast we want to tell you about real quick. Going to mix it up for you. That's right, people. You were taking advantage of us, thinking we were going to be there for you every week. Mm-hmm. But no. Mm-mm. Save up that lust Save up that desire, because mm-hmm. we are going to come at you big and bad every other week. That's right. Mm-hmm. In this new world that we're living in, sometimes when you're comfortable, that's when things change. That's right. We don't want anybody getting too comfortable. As our good favorite drummer of Dave Matthews Band always says, Carter Beaufort, save that nut. Save it. <laughs> save it. You got saved that. Actually, <laughs> we think you're going to like us even more as a result of waiting every other week. 
think about, you know, when you don't have sex for a while and then you have sex again. You're like, damn, that was awesome. I wish I could have sex every week. No, every other week. But we promise that when you tune in and listen to us every other week, it's going to be sexy, sexy comedy. You're going to be like, that was a two minutes well spent. <laughs> oh, are we shortening our time too? <laughs> I was talking about the sex. Oh, 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 right, right, right. At, at wow. any rate, two, two minutes, minutes wow. of sex yeah. and 25 <laughs> minutes of cuddling. That's right. And that's with no Gatorade. But at any rate, uh, we are giving you an episode this Tuesday, and this is our impromptu interview we did with the guest from our last episode, Mr. Dan Logan. Uh, Dan is a veteran of Comedy Sports Quad Cities, as well as a bunch of late shows, uh, studio series shows at the establishment. And dare I say, one of the nicest guys at the theater. Oh, yes. Uh, has won uh, MVP multiple times. <laughs> Not just at sports, but in our hearts. That's right. Mm-hmm. I worry, guys, that all of this, Dan, you're such a nice guy, is going to go to his head. Um, I think it already has. Mm, he's been dealing with it for a couple of years now. So. Really? Maybe we're... we should turn this around and say, what a dick. Let's make this a roast of Dan Logan. <laughs> an impromptu. <laughs> an impromptu roast. You're going to hear an edited, heavily edited interview of Dan just saying horrible things. But here's what's great, improv listeners. And my guess is that if you are listening to our podcast, uh, a big chunk of it is because you have an interest in improv. And you might even be an improviser yourself. And other interviews that we've had have been with uh, improvisers who have been doing this a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And here's a nice little switch. Dan Logan's actually pretty fairly new to improvisation. I think he's been uh, improvising now about four to five years. Mm-hmm. And so you get a great take on the process that he took, the path that he went down to learn improvisation, what keeps him excited about improvisation, and what he hopes to keep learning even beyond this. He's one of those rare ducks that came into improv having zero theater background. Like, he just saw improv, thought it was fun, and decided, hey, I want to do that. And it's been neat seeing his evolution from audition after audition after audition after audition to then getting cast in sports becoming a touring company member and like now dipping his toes into long form like it's been amazing watching his evolution Mm -hmm. well dan is a self-professed kind of left brain guy he was a math major in college and Mm -hmm. and he thinks more that way and so I, i find it even more fascinating when someone very left brained decides to delve into this world mm-hmm so here you go people Enjoy this interview with Dan Logan. The dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> Love you. Where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Davenport. So okay. I grew up on the west side of Davenport. And now I live in Beddorf. Haven't really... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, Bettendorf is better, but but no, I did a about the farthest I've been is I did a stint in Gonzaga University for freshman year, and then uh, I know where Gonzaga is, but they uh, don't. Where the, is it? Do you say Gonzaga a, or Gonzaga? I say Gonzaga because that's the way I was told while I was there. Where is to it? Say is it, it it's in like... Spokane, Washington? Duh. Wow, how'd yeah. you get there? Um, they had a good engineering program, and then when I realized I wasn't smart enough to do engineering, then um, I kind of 
came back. Okay. <laughs> I was asked to return. That's a long ways. Like you could have went to Iowa State. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, actually, my brother, my brother went because my dad was a teacher at St. Ambrose locally. Uh, obviously for 42 years. What did he teach? Teacher. Yeah. He's a math teacher. Mm-hmm. And so we could have went there for free. So the deal was you either got a scholarship to go somewhere else or you went to Ambrose, Ambrose yeah. for free. Well, I got a really good scholarship to go to Spokane and then was asked not to return. Um, but then, uh, <laughs> to the but, city or the school? Both. Okay. But no, Spokane, Spokane is actually a great city. Like it's, you drive every weekend, you hop into a camper, drive 10 minutes and you're in the middle of nowhere. I mean, mm-hmm. you're like camping. We just camp all the time. It's beautiful. Hmm. Washington's beautiful. So then I came back to Ambrose and then went to Iowa City to do engineering and came back and got a degree in math at Ambrose. I actually took my dad for five different classes. <laughs> wow, yes. your degree is in mathematics. Yes. And so, tell you all about rings and group theory and abstract algebra. See, uh, even there, you said about. all that. I don't know what nope. any of that is. <laughs> well, see, the algebra is No, that's okay. But you, okay. Did, so did you, um, what did you do after that? Uh, I went into, well, I went into actuarial science and got hired as an intern for John Deere. They kind of realized, like, I had a different skill set than most actuarial people do, which they can barely form sentences sometimes. But um, so then I went into uh, more of the product development side. We actually created an extended warranty product, and I got into IT and did a lot of that. It was mostly project management. Um, And ironically enough, my son is now in actuarial science and is doing much better than I ever did. So (laughs) So how do you get from John Deere working in that world because you don't do that anymore let's just say uh, i was asked not to return no that, <laughs> that, that one i left you, you, you got i left because that that, that was that was much more of an insurance company and john deere insurance i was doing like i was going to tractor shows and because we were doing extended warranty on combines so i'd go and see like where the combines were made drive tractors and like oh learning cool stuff so it was much and designing the IT for it, and then you get over to the to the insurance side, and it's just boring insurance stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then, I, then, I, then I went to Progressive Insurance as a sales manager, and then I, uh, from there, I didn't. I got kind of burned out on the whole sales thing, and just mm-hmm. talking to people that don't want to talk to you, and you feel, yeah. You know. So then I went into human services because I had a, a family friend was always trying to get me kind of into uh, into that, so I ended up going into that. So from that world, how did you come across, how did improv start for you? I was going to say, did you do theater in high school? Or did I did you... absolutely zero theater in high school. Okay. I, was, I was a sports guy. You know, I I always liked, I, I was never one that made, I didn't make fun of the theater. I always had theater friends and I always had a help. You'd respect. go to the plays. I'd go to the plays or go to, and go see stuff. I'd go to, I loved, I always liked comedy and stuff and I always liked that. I just never thought, like, I can't sing. <laughs> generally can't act. You know? So what makes you think you can do this? <laughs> <laughs> well, the whole the whole improv thing was. What was your first yeah, show, how or you how did you find it? What did what it was, was the... like? Uh, whose line is it anyway? Okay, mm-hmm. on TV. I mean, really watching that, you're like, yeah, these guys are having fun, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And then I think Andrea, or maybe it was my mom or dad. Andrea, I think like they have this comedy sports. You go see that. So we wanted to see comedy sports probably about three, four years before I ever tried out. And mm-hmm. I was like, it's a 
crap ton of fun. You know, mm-hmm. the guys look like they're having fun. It's energetic. I laughed a lot during the during the time. And then, of course, like we always complain about with comedy sports, so many people come and love it, and then just don't come back. <laughs> like for mm-hmm. some reason or another, don't come back. Well, then I ended up seeing whose line is it anyway, and I saw it. I just found that the flyer, not that long ago in my garage, there was a flyer put out that had comedy sports tryouts and it had the old Howie logo on oh, yeah. it. And it was like, oh, and I remember seeing that going, you know what, why not? What year you would know, that have been? 10, 9, 2009, 2010 yeah, maybe? Probably 2009. Yeah, because it was still at the across speakeasy. the street mm-hmm. at the speakeasy and I went there and <laughs> um, you were actually the one that finally cut me. Because mm-hmm. it was, I, I made it. First of all, I went to the, they had an improv camp, mm-hmm. like a camp the first day. So I knew nothing, knew nothing about improv. I just show up, you know, scared as hell. And Patrick was there running it. And he's like, okay, we're going to play Zip, Zap, Zop and Beep and all this. And, you know, as, as a new improv, you're just worried about doing it right. So you're like, Beep. Beep, beep, you know, and you're just like, and then, and then finally, he's just like, there was something about the attitude or something about Patrick that just made you feel like, okay, you know, like, you know, he's just nice guy. Like you're doing just, all right. Yeah, it's just okay. having, just yeah. having fun, and you know, and and so that, so so I went through that, mm-hmm. and we played a couple games there. So I came back the next day for the actual tryouts. Yeah, because we used to have a crash course. Yes, like one yes. improv 101 in an hour. Like, yes, this is what to expect tomorrow. That sounds yes. like a good idea. To the, uh, if you wouldn't have done that, you never would have had me. Because I think <laughs> that's the only reason I did it was because like I didn't know what this was. I mean, mm-hmm. I know what whose line is it anyway. But it, to the when you don't know, you kind of think it's magic, or some of it you like, oh, it's scripted. You know, mm-hmm. it has to be scripted. <laughs> a lot of so. people think that. They say mm-hmm. that. Yeah, they say, that. yo, you had that planned, right? That was totally planned. Do you guys do that scene every time? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. that's great, though. I didn't know. So you had no theater background. No, no never, never none, did. Nothing no, at all. Never did a. Just said that course. looks like fun. Yep. And then, um, and then we showed up for the audition. And I did kind of well. I didn't, you know, I just, I was happy to survive it. Mm-hmm. And I was, they like cut some people first. And I was mm-hmm. like, really? I'm sticking around here? <laughs> like, <laughs> like you, didn't, you didn't cut me. And then, and then like, I think I was the, one of the last two cut. And I think yeah. you came out and you're like, hey, you know, really had some, you said, I, I don't know. It was you, down to you and this other guy. And it was, a, it came down to a vote. And yeah. it came down to, and it literally was like a 4-3. And that's why we have an odd number there. Yeah. So we can always break a tie. It was literally a 4-3. And it was just like nice. a, okay. And yeah, I had the unceremonious job of letting people go. And but you were so nice that, about so. it, though. I mean, yeah, it wasn't like I was expecting you to be like, yeah, time's done. All right, see you next year. <laughs> yeah, good luck, pal. And, and I remember. You were the weakest link. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> that was totally in vogue then, too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But you came out, you were you were very nice and basically said, like, we're not taking you, but, you know, you did this, this, and this right and work on this, this, and this. And you gave some some helpful notes and some encouragement. And I remember just thinking, well, I remember thinking, like, that seemed like a cool group. Like, they weren't dicks about it. They weren't, like higher than you know they you didn't have that air of like i'm the teacher and mm-hmm. it was a very it's a very welcoming atmosphere and i think that's why i came back the second time 
Mm-hmm. Was that the following year or like six months yeah, later? The following or... year, I think. And then, and then once I did, uh, <clears throat> then I, so I did my eight mile montage where I was writing in notebooks all the time and rhyming, um, getting my no, I'm just kidding. What? <laughs> I basically, oh you, ba- you basically forget about it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you still. So I, I went to a couple more shows though. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to see like. So I ended up showing up, and then and then the whole transition happened, mm-hmm. where you went across the street. And I remember kind of tangentially like being aware of that, but never really processing it. And then I came back, and I think I got cut again. Mm-hmm. Yep, got cut again. Oh. <laughs> Damn, <laughs> you're a hard, you, you don't take no for an yeah, answer. Doug, We're gonna alive. ask you not to explain. <laughs> this is this is a great interview though for somebody to, to hear. Oh, that's what I was saying. Yeah, like, for a stu- somebody to hear a stinger, somebody new starting. Pitched this to him. I said your story of perseverance is amazing. And and I but but again the cutting process was much more of a. Like, there was no closed door. And I think that's what really, like, there's never that, that kind of, like, you know, why don't you just... Give it up. So then I even went to more shows after that. And I started looking into it, and I started reading online, like, well, what is, like, the theory, kind of the theory of it, but more of, like, how does it, how does this work? And, and, and two, that second time, there was a little, we got a little deeper into it. Would this have been at the new theater now? Like, was the second audition, or yes, would it have been at the so. old theater? No, I think it was at the new. I think I only did once at the the old theater. It was at the new theater. So I auditioned again, and then got into the training company with you. Second time was with you, with Leslie. Okay. Yeah. The minor league. Yeah, minor. Yeah. Okay, and I was already on that. stage before yes. you were. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so you, I got cut from that. Okay. But you made it. And she and Tony Tone. Yes. Tony, yeah. yeah and yeah. Jimmy Cedar And Jimmy. Yep. Oh. And then you were in the... Because I had a absolutely god-awful show. <laughs> it couldn't... It, it was the worst... <laughs> the worst performance I think I've ever turned in. I mean, I've had... Huh. My my first time at sex was better than that. <laughs> comparable. This is your first show you're talking about? Yeah, well, they had a minor league show. Minor league show. That's oh, right. I see. Yes. That's right. Okay. And, and, and during during that whole process, I was like, I'm finally, finally getting it. I I think I finally understand. Like I was starting to get the gimmicks. I was starting to finally get, you know, character, and it wasn't that great. And I'm never that great at characters and entrances or all that. But I was getting functional, mm-hmm. and I was starting to get functional at games. And then the, the performance, I just—it it was like first time on stage ever yeah. doing anything. I mean, I'd done some stuff, but it was mostly emceeing. And I just was, I was thinking way too much or thinking not enough and, and those types of things. So you were in this weird thing. So I had a horrible performance, got cut. And I remember you and, and Jimmy and Tony had a great show. So I was like, ah, oh, it's no surprise that they, they made it. But then not a closed door. Again, lots of nice feedback from, from the trainers. And, you, you know, you were one of my trainers and Patrick and Jeremy and, and G. And then after that, then I came back again got into the minor leagues again and, and part of it was because I'd, I'd start like Patrick invited coming to practice and if you tell him tell me like you can come practice I'm like oh okay yeah yeah because really that's where I view like you learn stuff is at practice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so then I started going to practice and then I got a little familiar but then then we did <laughs> we did minor leagues and we did lots more shows which was great because the the two things the two reasons I think I got in was we did multiple shows so every 
Friday. Week, every Friday was a show. Mm -hmm. So it was like, it took the pressure off because it was like, mm -hmm. okay. And, and so you started having better shows and you started getting used to being on stage. You started getting used to taking the initiative. And the second part was that Patrick's like, you can come to any show you want. Just call us and you can come for free. And I'm like, that's it. <laughs> so then I came to every show I could. I still think those are the two best ways to learn improv. Mm -hmm. Watch it and do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you do those things, then yeah, you, it's just like anything else. That's mm -hmm. the best yep. you learn from doing. Observation, and... like you learn so much from it. Oh, I learned so much from like just seeing, just seeing the the choices you guys make, but then also putting yourself in in your your shoes. So like you'd come in as a character in in Styles Replay, and then you'd be like, well, why did he come in as that? Oh, because of this, this, and this, and and then you start to get oh. That's why they play it like this, because there's only so much time. So you got there's more sense of urgency in this game. So or, oh, forward reverse is all about movement, and you know you start to piece together all that stuff. So I'm curious to hear what your thought process then was learning improv, coming from the background that you come from of being very analytical, mm -hmm. where numbers, you know, everything has to equal something where in improv that's not necessarily the case. A lot of things can be the right answer. Yeah, mm -hmm. one plus two is not necessarily always three yes. in improv. So yes. I'm just curious, did you find it difficult to, I guess, release the concept of the, the steadfast rules? Like there, there's yes. always rules to everything. Was that difficult? It, it was at, at first because it, it but you, you well, and I always view like the short form because that's what I learned first. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably what I'm best at is the short form stuff. You learn there are rules, but they're not hard and fast, but yet right. there's guidelines. Right. Mm -hmm. But then you play around within the guidelines. Mm -hmm. And math, to a certain extent, is not always A plus B is C, because like abstract algebra and stuff is, is creating spaces where A plus B doesn't equal C. Well, a plus B. Right. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm saying besides <laughs> that. Oh, yes. Besides abstract. Yeah, besides abstract. I thought that was applied. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, and that's, that's a, there's always that, there's always that structure of a game like forward reverse. Right. You have the gimmick, and mm -hmm. that's the structure. But then whatever choices you make inside that space, you're still inside the space. Mm -hmm. I guess is what, but yeah, there was, there was that time. And I think that's why it took three times. Cause I think you and the other trainers were kind of just saying, just make a choice. It's, it's fine. It doesn't have to be the best choice. It yeah. just has to be a choice. Like just make a strong choice and then play off each other. And yeah. then you start building and it doesn't really matter. You get people who try to solve improv and it's like it's not right. it's something you solve. It's something yes. you just do. Yes, you know? exactly. Yeah. And I guess that's what I was trying to say. Yeah, Like you're trying to figure it out. Like mm -hmm. I know a lot of people first time, they're trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Like it, like there's a, an answer to well, how do I do this? And yeah, it's like, well, when I'm in this scene again, I'll say this, that, and right. it's like yeah. no, because that scene won't be the same scenario exactly. or situations. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the only thing you can tell yourself is when I'm in this scene again, I'm going to react emotionally, or I'm going to bring a stronger right. character, or I'm going to bring a stronger presence, or I'm going to make sure the location is. It, that's that's the only thing you can really kind of learn. Is yeah. Like, those basics but yeah i think that's probably why i took and i think at that point is when i kind of said like okay well screw it i'm, I'm gonna have fun like if and they, that's when it turns. yes yes that's when it turns yes yep. and and that that was that show was just like yeah if it works it works if it doesn't it doesn't and it's not that it's not that you're it's not that you don't care because mm -hmm. you still really care and you still want it to go well you just turn off the self-critic and just be like you know what Pfft. Just mm -hmm. have fun. Yeah. And well, it's that. like when you get all those tools, 
you they're in your bones. So yes. you know you just trust that and then just yeah, mm-hmm. cut loose a little bit. Yeah. Do you remember when your aha moment happened? I <laughs> and I I think it was kind of during it was almost during my first show because there were there were lots of mini ahas. Mm-hmm. Like one of them was you can't really do anything wrong if, if you're if you're on the side and there's two people in a scene and you think that it needs you it needs you and you get in like like one of those aha moments was like just just enter and do something like it doesn't really even need to be anything uh, there are other ahas about of listening not talking over those those are but the biggest aha came when when i think it was our very first game and we were doing styles replay and it was me and patrick and we were just we, the conversation we were just having a sit and talk improv on stage which is not very interesting at all <laughs> <laughs> and Jeremy busts in and does something ridiculous. It falls down the steps, and the crowd like laughed for a good. It felt like five minutes, but it was probably thirty seconds. And it was just one of those like, oh, that's how you do it. Like <laughs> he just didn't give a crap. He just he just went over, said some line, and then just fell down the steps. Like it was one of those like where he was just playing this outrageous character. And I was like, that's oh, the scene needed. At yeah. That point. yeah, yeah. And it was just like. Well, that's that's how you do it. He really didn't care. He really didn't think too much, but he had an idea, and he just got the idea, rolled it, and did it. And I remember after the show, Patrick was like, "Did you feel the scene kind of fizzling until Jeremy got in?" I was like, "Yeah." He goes, "Do more, Jeremy." <laughs> less us. I was like, "Okay." Less us. Yeah. And more Jeremy. <laughs> less us and more Jeremy. Like, like, do do it like that. But and a lot of it was Weisenheimer. I mean, to to be honest, Weisenheimer was a big. Thing because I would go and you'd have that lottery and oh, you yeah. would you would put it and put my name in there and it was just getting the stage fright getting out. up and doing it yeah just getting mm-hmm. up and doing it and not only that but watching what it's like to craft scenes and and trust that things are going to come around because I remember those those Weisenheimers where it was just like it would start off and you'd see you guys putting bricks or whatever you want to term it. You guys mm-hmm. are just building characters and building characters. And then all of a sudden, you just boom, boom, boom. You're like, oh, this happens. This had laugh, 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 laugh. It's like, oh, okay. You, you spent all that time building it, and now it's all paying off. And now this, this, this character's weaving into this character. This character's weaving into this character and creating a nice little triangle. And, and a lot of the character and, and the ability to tell a story I learned probably through Weisenheimer just watching mm. and my wife and it, it was helped that my wife loved it because she was always like willing to go so I wasn't that I wasn't that angry lonely right, guy sitting right. in the crowd going that's a real <laughs> nice scene um there there's a variety of games in the comedy sports uh world do you have any is there anything that is your favorite like are you yeah. do you feel like you're great at one you know Line games or puns or it's you tough know. to pick just one. No, I mean, what, what I, do you what do you what do you enjoy the most? Well, the thing that probably is giving me the most anxiety, at least right now, is I tend to be a very physical player. Like if I don't have anything, mm-hmm. I I go to physicality or I go to a posture or I go to um, a stance or a position on the stage or I start an action. So forward reverse. Even style, yeah, yeah, yeah stuff like that. Styles replay because I'll usually just do something, any countdown, anything that's overly physical, 
I love because I know what to do. Like character-based games or pun games, I had to learn how to do puns. I had no, I, I never really liked puns. I'm still trying to learn. I'm not, I, they're not my favorite I'm, Well, there's a, there's a reason the minor league, we ended every practice yes. with 185 yes. and no one could leave till everyone had done it. Cause it's like, <laughs> it's not going away. It's yep. gonna be here forever. Well, and you learn, you learn to love it. You yeah. really do learn to love it. You learn to, because people like it. And when you do guys and ties, then you start realizing, oh crap, there's not six people, there's three people. Mm-hmm. And I better have some or else, and, and it's the first game. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and part of guys and ties is asserting dominance, not over the other players, but just telling the audience that you deserve to be here and they deserve mm-hmm. to pay attention. So if you kill that game, they're like, oh, these guys are professionals. Let's, yeah, I'm going to start trusting them. But if you're weak at the first game, then they're just like, oh, that obviously the weak one. Big guy's really funny and the guy with hair is really funny. I'm not sure about the bald one, though. No. You know, or so. that little one. <laughs> I don't trust that little one. <laughs> but you're just adorable. Um, but yeah. That's what gets me behind. Because <laughs> I'm awful at puns. A positive, a positive thing was uh, one of the things that... that uh, that, that always stuck with me from a positive standpoint is when we went to St. Louis. Yeah. And and we went there, and it was just my first, and I wasn't even really officially a Guys and Ties, but it was more of a guy. It was a Guys and Ties thing where I went went along with Jeff and G, and the show went show went well. And it was just one of those where it was like, it's like, yeah, you know, this is this was fun. And it was just a bunch of people I didn't know. You guys were great about just being like, you know, just play, just do whatever. Don't worry about it. We'll back you up. And I could feel that the whole time. There was never mm-hmm. like that, like that moment where you like came over and be like, just step it up. Come on, get your <laughs> shit together. You know, like, 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 this is a big deal. Like get your shit together. You weren't and, like the stepbrother that had to no. go to the mall with everyone. No, and, yeah, and, and, it was our. I think it was a second. We headlined the Compass Improv Festival yes. in St. Louis. It was our second year, and the way the scheduling laid out. Because you were kind of in that training to be a GID, yeah. but not quite there yeah, yet. Yeah, not quite there. But, and, and the schedule came out, and like Patrick couldn't go or whatever, and it was G and I, and we didn't have a third. I was like, all right, Logan literally is the only one available. It's like, all right, well, I know you're not technically on this cast yeah. yet. But you're about to go headline a film festival <laughs> yeah. with us, so hold on to your butts. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I remember that. It went really, really well. So it was really receptive. How? And then freaking David Shepard is sitting in the front oh. row. One of the godfathers <laughs> yes. of improv. And it's like, yeah, no, oh, it's like, this isn't intimidating yeah, at all. This is fun. Did you find that out later? Or did you know that? No, it was before. Everybody knew it was before. Yeah, it was like the founder of improv, like, oh, God, just say yes and. Just just say yes and. Like, don't deny anything and I think it'll be fine. But, you know, it, it, but, too, if there were two people that you could always, like, to do a guy night show with, it's, it's you, too, yes. because you know that it's probably going to go well. If you just kind of hang on for the ride and, and <laughs> say yes and, and accept what's going on, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be just fine. So we started Wise Nightmare on a Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. which is not normal improv yeah. nights and everything. And I, I th- think you came to like the third or fourth one or whatever, yeah. and you literally came every single time you had a free night. And then like yeah, your wife... most of the time. Yeah. And then we moved to the Saturday nights, and then like we would wrap up sports and we'd come down and you'd be washing dishes, which is your favorite thing to do in the world. Yes. And then you would just kind of hang out. And then we started doing the, when we play uh, on his dick, we'd need someone to write, mm-hmm. and you're always there. And so mm-hmm. you kind of have 
become the unofficial host of the second half of Weisenheimer because we default to you first yes. if you're there. <laughs> yes, and if you're not, the then we there. get somebody else. Yeah. So you've been, you know, a huge supporter. I think we even say who's going to play Dan Logan tonight yeah. if Dan's yeah. not there. Mm. And, I mean, so you've been, you know, a massive supporter of ours, which we can't thank you enough for. And, I mean, having you on a podcast is a very small way of saying, you know, thank you for, for supporting us. But what's really cool is with the studio series starting, you now have the opportunity to do long form. Mm -hmm. So you've been, I know you're a cast member of Nocturne Falls. Yep. I know you've been in a couple other shows. I just wanted to ask, since we kind of got your start in short form, yep. and in four years you're now about a year into dipping your foot into long form, mm -hmm. how has that transition been? How does that feel? Does it feel... It's massively intimidating. Is it kind of easier? Like what? I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Oh, I think it's it's much harder than than it looks because I think part of part of why it, it seemed a little easier because I'd watched you guys so many shows and I kind of knew what what long form is about and it's not it's not that much different. It's just you don't have a set gimmick to fall back on, mm -hmm. and you you spend a little more time building character. You spend a little more time building either you know what what's going on and then you can explore after that mm -hmm. so there's a little more patience you need with a lot of short form stuff it's just get there get there get there get there get there long forms a little longer on the foreplay mm -hmm. um and 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 really finding finding stuff to use later mm -hmm. and always keeping that in the back of your mind but doing the long form stuff is fun because you start to you do you do if you embrace it you do kind of love that patience Mm -hmm. of like, okay, well, this is a third act of what I can do, or this is a second act of where this character goes, or this is where this character would be in five, ten years, or this is where this character would be if they interacted with another character. So mm -hmm. it, it does allow you, instead of the immediacy of a short-form game, like Forward Reverse, when's, when's the last time you've gone more than a minute deep in a scene in Forward mm -hmm. Reverse? Oh, God, 30 seconds. Yeah, you're, you're doing it wrong if you get that far. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. So, so, or, you know, by definition, Styles replays a minute and a half or a minute. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of those games, you know, your answer and advice panel is great if it's 30 seconds or less. You know, you can't just sit, unless that's part of your character, you can't just sit up there and pontificate. So, right. So the long form stuff always interests me and why I went to Sony Weisenheimer is, first of all, it was, it was fucking funny. But the second thing is I always noticed that my wife liked it and she almost likes it. She almost likes that more than sports because hmm. she goes to more Weisenheimers and she goes to my shows. <laughs> <laughs> Eric goes to more Weisenheimers than he goes to the short form shows. Mm -hmm. He'd prefer the long form. And I think she likes the story. She likes she likes seeing that interplay and that's what she'll talk about on the car ride home is this character and I loved how this character and this character and I loved the office scene that was revisited two or three times but it was slightly different this next scene and then it was slightly different this next scene and it built and she likes that building and she likes that storytelling element of it and I it doesn't necessarily yeah. have to be a movie well but... the audience can invest in those people you don't really mm -hmm. invest in the short form. Mm -hmm. You just enjoy the gimmick of it. The short, it, yeah. uh, I had a director once that talked about a joke. The longer the setup of the joke, the bigger the payoff better be. Because mm -hmm. I sat here and I listened intently. Yeah. So with a short joke, eh, you know, like little kids jokes, like what is four wheels and flies? My garbage truck. But when you tell a really involved story, it and two, you guys are so good about, about 
setting those things out and you can see those 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 choices being made of that you might have just thrown out well you know to brent knows to pick that up and run with it now i'm going to build off it and then you come in to build off that even further and you guys have you guys have developed such a cohesiveness over the years that you guys i mean it's, it's trite but it's almost finishing each other's sentences that's kind of what it's become Mm-hmm. So it's 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 really fun in the long form to be able to be patient, mm-hmm. be like, oh, I know where this character ends up, but I'm going to, I'm going to build my way there. Mm-hmm. And you're gonna see it happen, but not see quite enough until until I pop it to you. So, damn, Dan, you make it sound elegant. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I don't get it. Garbage trucks fly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What has four wheels and flies? A garbage truck. Uh, yeah. Oh, those flies. Oh, no, the, I get it. The, the okay. decaying flesh and is where the joke is. How, I get it how do you make a Kleenex dance? You put a little boogie in it. Hey. There you go. Now you know a little bit more about Dan Logan. Uh, you all be emailed a quiz, and you need to email back your answers to us uh, in a timely fashion. Mm-hmm. I will show up at your door and deliver your score to you. Th- that's really nice of you. And should mm-hmm. you have any math homework and live in the Des Moines area, you, Dan's your man. <laughs> Dan's your Dan's man. Dan's the main. Hells. Yeah. Well, we wanted to thank you for listening and also let you know that every one of our podcasts are brought to you by the Establishment Studio Series. Every Friday, Saturday at the Establishment, five bucks to get in. EstablishmentQC.com for tickets. And on March 10th, Friday, it's a little show called 309. Three improvisers, zero rules, nine games, ten ways of funny. Sounds sexy. 12 I like that show. days a week. Uh, basically, it is, uh, if you've seen comedy sports and loved it, it's a comedy sports show with no brown bag fouls. It is 100% uncensored. It's dirty. It's filthy. It's awesome. It's hysterical. I'm biased because I'm in it, but it's a great show. So go check it out, 309 on Friday, March yeah. And then on Saturday, uh, March 11th, we have Shakespeare, <laughs> which is take a Shakespeare comedy, tragedy, history, roll them up all in one big ball and add some funny to it. And it's all made up. And that is Shakespeare on the 11th. There you have it. So check out those shows. See you guys in two see, weeks. See you in two weeks. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. So no sex for two weeks? Get out of my house. Okay. <laughs> For our next that was episode. really weird. Right. Everybody all together. Two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> we'll miss you. Yeah. It's like, if, like, I want my $2 from that John Cusack movie. One Crazy Summer, I think it was. I don't know. I want my $2. <laughs>